whoever's listening, make sure you follow along because um, this was definitely a creative one. <laughs> so, hey, hey, before we get into this episode, want to let you know that Blue Spruce has a 454 unit in Atlanta, Georgia. That market is booming. We're really excited about this particular property and we're excited to close it. We want to close it with you. So if you want to be a part of this deal, it is for accredited investors only. So there's two ways. If you're accredited, awesome. Let us know. And if you want to raise money, awesome. Let us know. We'll give you a slice of the general partnership and you bring in your investors. So without further ado, here is today's episode. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Adams, and today we've got Colby Davis. Colby Davis is uh, a young man who has actually gotten into entrepreneurship. I want to follow his journey. We've, we're going to learn a ton today. Honestly, this guy, he started his uh, painting, power wash, and staining company when he was just 21 years old. And in about five years, he took it to a million dollar company. So he's still doing that. And he's got some other little things that he's figured out on the side. But while he was into this about two years ago, he decided to get into real estate. So he's done a couple of deals already. And actually, these deals are quite big deals. And I think we'll learn a lot from the way that he's done these because he's made a lot of money on, on uh, his own personal house and these other two real estate transactions. He's got a goal for the next few years of doing at least three deals per year. Uh, so anyway, he's 26 years old. Is that right? Right now you're just 26? Yep. Yeah, 26. So a lot of, lot of really good stuff. And I know we're going to learn a lot from you today. So let's start here. Let me just ask you, you got into a power washing, staining, and painting company about five years ago when you were just 21. What made you decide that you wanted to start your own company in the first place? So, I mean, I'll take it all the way back. Basically, from the age of nine, my dad had a uh, plumbing company. I used to go to work with him every day, and um, it was fun. And, and I was able to see growing up how my dad was able to basically create his own schedule, provide for the family, you know, and um, really, I was just like really into, I was just into entrepreneurship. I mean, I used to sell Tic Tacs in elementary school for 50 cents. Like, it was just one of those things where like, I had the entrepreneur bug. And uh, I always worked hard. They called me the weekend warrior. I'd put, you know, anywhere from 30 to 40 hours on a weekend in high school. Um, so I, I was always hustling, you know, always, always into working hard. And uh, I started doing a lot of odd jobs in the, in the construction industry, got into painting, and uh, I was just really good at it, but I absolutely, I hated doing it. <laughs> so it was one of those things where it was just, you know, I was awesome at it, and uh, the guy I was working for, I didn't really see a whole lot of growth in his company. You know, I offered him a lot of uh, good advice, and every time I came to him with it, it was just, he put me down. It was like, no, 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 you know, we're going to do it this way, so... One day, you know, uh, I went out on my own, got into the entrepreneur journey and to the painting industry, power washing and staining. All right. So I do have a question here. What would be two things that you mentioned to your, the boss at your time who you had some suggestions? What are two specific things that you mentioned to him that you thought would change his business, but he didn't do? Yeah. So one of the biggest things was obviously to bring on more people and to create roles in the company because at the time it was me, him, and one other guy. So we were a very small company, but 
being in the area that I, I, I've been in since I've grown up, I knew that the, the opportunities were out there to scale this company because we had something really, really good going there. So I told him if we can create like a leadership team, I would totally be in 100% focused into helping to train these people. You know, I could manage them and we could run more than two jobs at a time, you know, and um, that was one of the things I offered him. But obviously it would be work for him, too. And he was, uh, you know, like a lot of people get, he was comfortable and he didn't want to get uncomfortable. Um, so that was one of the things. And uh, another thing was really just raising his prices. And listen, I was getting paid hourly. I wasn't getting paid salary. That wouldn't really benefit me a whole lot, but I saw it as benefiting me in the long run. And his mindset was to always be the cheapest guy out there. My mindset was to always bring them more value because you could charge more money then. And he didn't see that. So we kind of were, you know, opposites, if you will. And it was just one of those things where, you know, it, it got to the point where we ended up hiring my older brother to come and work for us. And then uh, my current boss fired him, gave him two days notice. And I think that was like the, the last leg. And three days later, I quit. And hey, I, I started my own company in my mom's bedroom, <laughs> running out of a uh, little tiny Ford Ranger pickup truck, and uh, the rest is history. Great. I, I do have quite a bit of questions. Um, sure. So first off, let's just talk a little bit about these two pieces of advice, because they're, they're brilliant. Um, one, one thing for, for me when I was working on, I just had a handyman company for a few years back in Utah, a long time ago, and I was you know, a lot of people say that you, you, no one can do it like you. So bringing in other people, you know, could be stressful. So I, I totally get that. But I was taking an entrepreneurial um, class in college and they just talked about leveraging other people's time. And so I was making decent, I was making 55 an hour. So if I worked, you know, eight hours, it'd be a little over 400 bucks. And um, and, I, and I didn't feel too bad about it. But one day I just had more jobs than I could handle. So I did what you, you said. Uh, and I was able to bring on a few different people onto the team. And I ended up having 13 people working for me. That's and great. Just when, when you have 13 people working for you, if you're taking in 55 or 65 an hour per person, yep. and you're only needing to pay them 10 to 18 an hour per person, instead of making uh, 400 for the day, now you're making two or three grand for the day. Exactly. And you're providing still really good service. So I, that's very, very good advice. And I think that, you know, we'll, we'll all learn a lot from that. The next one is raising prices. Uh, same thing in that same entrepreneurial class that I took in Utah. Um, I was like your boss. I was just like your boss. And I was saying the same thing that he was saying. I need to be able to always be the cheapest. Yeah, that being the cheapest is the best. And, and that was my mindset. And this professor really challenged that. He, he said the exact same thing you said. And I, and it feels like you're that professor when you were saying, <laughs> yeah, when you're saying, uh, you really just, you don't need to be the cheapest. You need to offer the most value. You need to do the best job. Yep. And that's exactly what he said. Um, and so very wise. So this took you to, like you said, you're a friend of yours, I guess, got fired and three or four it was days later. My brother, actually. Oh, you're, okay. Your brother, yeah, yeah, my brother, your brother yeah. got let go. And just a yes. couple of days later, you said, I'm done. I'm out. Yep. So 
what was it like when you were in your mom's bedroom starting this business? What, what did it feel like on, the, on day one? Oh, man, dude, it was, it was so hard. There was every single emotion that you could possibly think of was going through my head every single day, every single night. Um, I mean, everybody was doubting me. Everybody. I mean, even my mom, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, like six months into it, it's, I started getting in my own head. And you know, like Tony Robbins says, if you get in your head, you're dead. And that's 100% true. So it was a constant battle with nobody else but myself. It was me versus me, which is what I'm a huge believer in to this day. And for that first year, shoot, for that first two, three years, honestly, it was just so hard. I mean, my first year in business, I got it written up on the wall here. I did $35,000 gross, gross. So I didn't make any money. I didn't pay myself at all. Um, and it, it was so hard, man. It was just constantly trying to think like, am I doing the right thing? Is this ever going to be something, you know, are these goals I have stupid? Like, you know, I just constantly being doubted by other people. And then I had this paradigm sh shift in my life where it was just, I was able to find a way to take everybody's negativity and fuel it into positivity and then make that into growth. And once I realized that I could do that and I was going to follow my mission statement, follow my vision into providing the best service for everybody, bringing the most value, not charging the cheapest price, but bringing the most value. It was then that everything just started to fall into place about year two. And it was just because I kept going, I kept going, I kept going. And I didn't listen to all the noise out there. It was, like I said, it's just me against me. And I stood behind this vision. And man, it was just those first two years, I ended up in the hospital. I got what's called pericarditis. I was working about 130 hours a week. And I, I physically exhausted myself. And I passed out, fell down my mom's stairs. I thought I was having a stroke. Put me in the hospital for three days. And I was just so physically exhausted. Mentally, physically, it was just... And I was like, man, do I really want to do this? And uh, I think it was after that, I was like, you know what I need to do? I need to start working smarter and not harder because I can't do all this. So being able to let go of being, all right, everything's never going to be perfect exactly my way. And to be able to hand the reins off to other people and to train them the way that I wanted things done. That's when things started to, uh, to, to really just shift hundred percent. And it was just like an, Whole 360. So day one was a struggle. Six months into it was an even bigger struggle. Yeah, trying, to, trying to battle, you know, friends, family, everybody who's telling you that you can't do it, you shouldn't do it. Everything yeah. that you're saying today, it translates to any business. So if somebody's yep. a fix and flipper, this translates. If you're buying apartments like I am, it translates. If yep. you're starting a handyman company or a painting company, this, these things are, are critical, very crucial, and a lot of really, really good information. So when, we're, when we look at you falling down the stairs after, I think you said you worked like over 120 hours that, for yeah, weeks, um, which is just nuts <laughs> and uh, yeah. very impressive. And it just goes with what you were talking about. You're kind of coined as that person who works all the time during the yep. weekend, the yep. weekend warrior. But let me ask you, and I am going to get into some of the real estate stuff that you did as well. And we're sure. almost there. I just want to 
bring out a little bit more light onto this business and really how it became a million dollar business. So just let's just take us from the, the day that you fell down the stairs and now you're in the hospital for three days straight. You find out you have whatever you said, paradigmatic. Yep, a viral infection on my okay. heart. All right. All right. Great. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. So yeah. <laughs> let's just take it from there. Um, what did you learn from that experience and how did it turn you? What, actually, first off, what year was this? Is this was it six months in? Was this 12 months in? So I'd say about a year and a half in is okay. when about all this happened. All right. So you're working your A off. Yeah. It's a year and a half into your company. What did you learn from that experience and how did it help you be a thriving entrepreneur? What I learned was I couldn't do everything myself and that in order to hit the vision I wanted to hit to, you know, be able to serve more people because that's what it's all about. And to grow this company into everything I want it to be, I need to develop a team, a team of people who think like me, who do things like me, and not to find them, but to create them. And that was huge once I realized this. And this was the biggest shift right here. This is what I did. I had a very, very good customer who was my first customer that I ever had. We became friends. I was knocking on his door on Labor Day, just trying to get jobs. Um, from that day forward, you know, we became great friends. He told me, Colby, you know what you need to do? You need to find somebody who's doing what you want to do and is the best at it. And I did that exact thing. I found the best painting company in Pennsylvania. I joined a networking group that I knew he was a part of, got in contact with his estimator. Somehow his estimator got me in contact with the owner. The owner agreed to have a three-hour sit-down with me. In that three-hour sit-down, I learned 35 years of his mistakes. 35 years. And from that day forward is when my whole business was just like, I mean, it, man, it's, it's it, like, like they say, don't try and recreate the wheel. The wheel's already there. Like there's already successful people out there doing what you want to do. You know, and if, if you go with an open mind and just, you know, every day, just know that you can learn more and you don't know everything man, the amount of stuff that you'll learn and you'll be able to apply to your business and just your personal life in general gives me chills, man. Like my hair is standing up now because that day was just, it changed everything. It was a game changer. I, I absolutely love that. And I'm glad you went into detail on it. We had somebody on the, on the podcast. Uh, his name is Trevor McGregor. People call him Coach Trevor, but he talks about mindset and modeling. Okay. So mindset's huge, obviously. Yep. But the modeling, uh, and that's something that your, your friend who, who said, Colby, I think, I don't know if I have this quote perfectly, but he said, Colby, you need to find someone who is doing what you want to do and is excellent at it. Yep. So I, I think that's just brilliant thinking. A lot of people, like you said, are trying to recreate a will. And what you need to do to really get to success is to find somebody that you can model, somebody you can imitate. Exactly. And you ended up using this uh, guy. You, you talked to him for about three hours, you said. Did he end yep. up being like a mentor after that? or what? You know what? He was a mentor for about a year. And then something happened. My business grew 600% that year. And he stopped talking to me <laughs> because oh it was, it was kind of cool because he started seeing me as a threat. He started seeing me as competition, which I mean, I was upset. He stopped talking to me, but for me, that was a, that was a success, you know, like basically a compliment to me that I was able to, I'm on his radar now, you know, which is 
it was cool because the guy's been in business for 40 years and he runs, you know, a $11 million painting company. You know, wow. it's not, it's just crazy. So, uh, yeah, he, he was my mentor for a while and I, I like to still think of him, at, think of him as a mentor, but, uh, fortunately I can't, uh, can't talk to him anymore. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. let me ask you, here's my, here's my last question sure. on your entrepreneurship journey before we really get into this, your, um, your real estate journey and, actually I'm really excited when we get into the final five it were that creative deal that you did is is yeah. nuts where I'm going to learn a ton about it and <laughs> yeah. so I know that the whole audience is as well but just the last question that I had for you on this entrepreneurship sure. you ended up getting this to a, a million dollar company so all I'm asking is what did it look like when it was a, fi a $1 million company, how many employees did you have? How many contractors did you have? What were you doing for marketing? You can yep. just give us an idea of what a million dollar com painting company um, looks like. So this year is the first year we're gonna actually get over the million dollar mark. Um, and what that looks like is year round, we employ anywhere from nine to 12 full-time employees. And in the summer, we bring on about three to five seasonal full-time employees. Um, but mainly what this business looks like is constantly promoting the company and what the business stands for. So I track every single lead that comes into this business, every single one. And I can tell you last month, 40% of those leads were repeat customers or referral based. The other, um, what would we got? 50% was all online. And then 10% was stuff that we pay for. So it just goes to show it's like how there's compound interest and your money can compound same exact thing with success, same exact thing with effort. You have compound effort and compound success. So for the past four years, I've been constantly tapping into just promoting my company and what we stand for our vision. We do things right. We give back to the community. We create lifelong customers. Those are our three main things. My team stands behind that a hundred percent. We have team meetings to constantly go over that and what we're doing, what we're creating. We're not just a business where we go in and just do a job. We're creating lifelong customers and this is going to be a legacy. It's not just a company. I want to transform the norm of being the average contractor, you know, and uh, I want my guys to come into work every day and, and love what they do. And I think we're doing a really good job at creating this, this morale and the company and this, this atmosphere and the customers see it. I, just, I was on a job yesterday. The homeowner came up to me, two entrepreneurs, very successful. She said, I can tell that you are an amazing leader because your guys have so much fun on the job. They care about what they're doing. They care about the customer and they do amazing work. I mean, that says everything. It was just those things all in all, you put them in a basket. And it's just so many people get discouraged because they don't see results in six months. It took me four years to see results and I'm posting on social media every day, you know, three years ago, I wasn't getting any likes, <laughs> you know, it's just like, so and nowadays everyone wants the instant gratification and it's just, I, I follow Gary Vaynerchuk a lot. He's one of my top mentors. And if you listen to Gary, when he started his company, Wine Library, he had nobody watch his videos for three years. And I feel like the same way, like no one gave a crap about me for the last three to four years. But when you start to succeed and you start to grow, I got people calling me I'd never talked to since high school saying good job. 
but they yeah. didn't care when I wasn't succeeding. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So it's just, you know, we create this atmosphere. I want to, I just want to do something that's never been done before. I, I just, you know, and we're doing it. We're doing it. Wow. Before we move on, I have to touch on something that you said. Uh, it's very, very important. You were talking about the compound interest and how it can translate into your business. And yep. let's just take that a step further and just talk about when you put in $500 into a 10% interest bearing account, you don't see almost anything the first year yep. or the second or the third or the fourth. And then it all of a sudden starts to be something. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere, you're making millions and millions because it's compounding on itself. You're getting improvement yeah. on your improvement. Yeah. And have you, read, have you read the book Compound Effect? No, I have not. Who's that by? I'm going to jot that down. You know, I do, I'll double check. You put me on Wait, the spot. It is a book that I have uh, on my bed. I read it sometimes when I have a chance when I'm not too tired. Cool. But um, it's called The Compound Effect. We'll look it up. And, um, but it's, it's exactly what you're saying. You're saying, you know, you might not see results in six months. It's the same thing if you're exercising, right? Yeah. Oh, you don't yeah, see man. results the first day or two. But if you just keep doing it, you, you know, you'll look like you. And for the audience who <laughs> just is listening to this, uh, we've got a, a, a very muscly guy <laughs> on here. You can tell he's been, uh, you know, successfully doing this uh, over and over for a length of time. It's, there's no overnight success, but a lot of people might see Colby as an overnight success. All the time. He worked his A off for years and he put himself into the hospital because he worked so hard. But even then, he wasn't, he wasn't famous. He wasn't, uh, nobody knew him. Nobody, everybody was trying to tell him to stop doing what he's doing. But he's, he's hit a place where that compounding effect hits the bell curve and changes everything. So just for the listeners, I, I'm hoping that you understand that real estate or any other business is difficult. Anything that you're getting into, it's not easy. And I'm not trying to say that it is. But I'm saying if you keep focusing and keep going, being persistent and determined, there's going to become a day where you hit that bell curve. And, you know, I think Colby and I are, are feeling that bell curve now today. We're seeing massive skyrocketing success over the last, uh, you know, umpteen years that we've been really involved. A lot of, lot of good takeaways today. I'm really glad you, that you got into this. So let's just take a quick break and we'll get back in sure. and we'll, we'll get into the final five. I'm pretty excited, but here we go. The annual Raising Money Summit is coming up. This event is going to be the most valuable event you will attend. We have a top securities attorney covering all the legalities of raising money. We have an active syndicator covering the information needed in a sample deal package. We'll also be teaching the systems and processes of managing your investors. And we'll share the psychology behind the salesmanship for effectively attracting private capital. This event is the weekend of November 17th and 18th, and I know it'll sell out, so don't wait. We sold over 100 tickets in just the first 24 hours. Book your tickets now to the annual Raising Money Summit, which is in Denver. Find the details of the event in the show notes. All right, Colby, you have a phenomenal, one of the deals that you've done is pretty excited. So when I'm asking your most creative deal, let's get into this fourplex, yeah. if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Yeah. Let's, uh, whoever's listening, make sure you follow along because, um, this was definitely a creative one. <laughs> so 2017, um, I get a phone call from one of my buddies, very successful person. Um, 
and he tells me there's a property for sale right around the corner from me. It would be perfect for my business and I could also get some rental income out of it. Now keep in mind, um, the year before that I had purchased my own home. So to put it into easy terms, I was basically broke. <laughs> so I toss and turned for my God, like two months, man, trying to figure out how am I going to make this thing possible? Because once I want to do something and accomplish something, like it's just, I can't get it out of my head. So I went back and forth, back and forth. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And then I thought of a couple things. When I mean a couple things, it's, that's, a, that's what it took to get this deal. So it was a property that sets on about two acres. In the front of the property is a Victorian house. And on the back of the property is three garage bays with an apartment up top. The back was brand, all completely done. And the owners who were selling it ended up going broke when they were renovating the place. And that's why they were selling it. The house in the front was a complete gut job. I mean, when I mean complete, it's just down to the stud, rip out electric, rip out the plumbing, brand new, everything. All right, so it's $400,000. Like I said, I'm broke and my turn's broke, meaning I had like 20 grand to my name. So I was like, I'm going to get this property. So this is what I did. My business was doing okay. So I took a small loan from my business that I was going to pay back. All right. I did that. I took my $20,000 that I had saved, cleaned myself out. Like when I mean down to zero, down to zero. All right. And then I talked to the buyers. I explained who I was, where I've come from, you know, what I've done the past couple of years. So they could trust me, ask them if they'd be interested in financing part of the deal. They weren't interested at first. <laughs> they were not interested at first. Uh, you know, couple old Italian guys. They wanted to meet me in person. They wanted to have a couple interviews with me and uh, make sure I was the real deal. So after about the fifth time talking to them in person, and I'd say probably two dozen phone calls, they finally agreed to finance the chunk of the property that I needed them to finance. I still wasn't there though. In addition to this, I had to get a personal loan from a private investor who I'm not going to discuss because they want to be anonymous and I would pay them back. I did all this. I got the property and I had the line of credit to fix up the house. All right. So I gutted the front house, converted it into two, um, two apartments. The good thing about this property was the back was already rented out. So going into this, I knew that I had enough cash flow generated to float the mortgage plus put about $600 in my pocket. So I knew that if say I ran out of money with the flip with the house in the front, I could still float the property. And that is super important. Like I know everyone's probably tired of hearing it, but know your numbers, like so important. So three months later, got the front of the property all fixed up. Um, got a renter in there, got another renter in there. And then my business was operating out of the back. Um, but the problem was now I have three, basically four loans I got to pay back, right? And two of them are doing a year, <laughs> right? And I don't make that much money to be paying these two off. So I'm, I'm a different kind of creature. Whereas when I have things like this, um, you know, on my plate, I figure out a way to make it happen. So 2018's business, like I just blew up the company. Like, it was insane. Earned more money than I ever earned. Paying these these loans off was not a big deal at all. 
But this is what I did. When I got the property, I knew that the property was going to be worth something after it was renovated. Even though my realtor told me not to buy it because it wasn't going to be worth more than 400 grand, all right? Didn't listen to him, okay? I knew it was going to be, I knew it. I knew my numbers to the T. So we fixed it up, got the appraisal, what, seven, seven months later, because usually you have to wait about six months. Um, prior to this, I had read a lot of Robert Kiyosaki's books. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, Guys to Investing, all that stuff. Learned about the, the Burr method. Um, got, like, obsessed with that. So I refinanced the property. Sure enough, appraisal came in for 650 k So I'm 100 into the property, 400 on the buy. I got 150 k of equity, right? I do a cash out refi. The monthly income on the property is still cash flowing even after my cash out refi. And that's super important to know as well. So you got to remember when you do the cash out refi, you're not going to pay the taxes on that money because it's rolled into your mortgage payment, right? So now I have my tenants paying my mortgage. I'm cash flowing on the rent. And now I just got a nice chunk of change after I paid off all the money that I borrowed to buy the house. And now I just bought another property. And I'm going to do the same exact thing for that one. This is fantastic. I'm going to, I want to just go over a couple things that were absolute takeaways from what yeah. you, what you went through. So number one, you were tossing and turning thinking, how am I going to do this? So you were dead set. You wanted to buy this, yep. but instead of doing what I think a lot of the listeners have done in the past, what I've done, and you've probably done it too, uh, is, is say, well, that, that sucks. I, I can't buy it. I don't have what it takes. But you toss and turn, and you're, you were so motivated. You just kept saying, how am I going to? How am I going to? How can I? That's so and, important what you just said, man. How am I going to do it? Not yeah. that I can't do it. That's so important. Yeah, yeah. it's a total mind shift change. And it yep. goes from uh, what a lot of people, the reason why a lot of people fail and the reason why you made this successful. The next thing that I, I noticed what you said going over this creative real estate is that you were resourceful even yeah. when you didn't necessarily have the resources. Exactly. <laughs> Tony, what's his name? That famous Tony guy. Uh, Tony Robbins? Yeah, Robbins. Yeah, yeah. So he always, he always says that, you know. Yeah. Um, yep. Joe Fairless says that. Um, somebody else that I was talking about earlier, Trevor McGregor. It's, yep. a, it's, it's, you've got to learn how to be resourceful when you don't have the resources. So exactly. how can I? Um, another big point that I thought was very, very important is you knew you needed owner financing. Yep. But instead of you, you said you talked to the same, um, I think you said they were Italian guys, you <laughs> yeah. to these guys five times in person. There was yep. something that is inside of you, Colby, that didn't stop the first, second, third, or fourth time. And I know that if they said no on the fifth, we would have a different conversation because you would have gone back to him a sixth time. Yep. <laughs> but that you talked to him on the phone two yep. dozen times. Yep. All right. So the other takeaways that we got from you and your creative deal is it was a burst strategy. And I like what you said here. Know your numbers. This is very important. People might say it all the time, but you have to know your numbers. And what I got from that is Colby, when you were thinking uh you when you were looking at what the refi was going to be doing you were thinking ahead to understand if you would be cash flowing 
after the refi. And I thought that was very, very important to mention. Yep. Uh, the next thing is you had four loans to pay off. And you were, <laughs> yeah. you were saying to yourself, you know, I don't really have the money. But it was, again, it was, how can I? How am I going to do this? You, and you're, the direct quote when you were talking about these four loans is you're like, I'm going to have to figure out a way. So yep. you paid off, um, you paid the seller's note. And you paid off your own business line of credit. You're, you paid off, paid off your loan from your company, the private yeah. investor who will na be named uh, non-disclosed. Yeah. And I think you said you refied it at a value of six fifty. So yep, you came out with some extra money. And yeah. we won't go too much into detail. We'll we'll get past this. I'll bring, be happy to bring you back on the show. But sure. the property that you bought was you purchased for one hundred fifty k. You yeah. put another sixty k which is three, 210, 210 yeah. and yeah. the value is 315. Uh, so just something that I, I know that the listeners can get a lot of value out of is if they really dive into understanding your mindset while you were doing this deal, because when we are talking about creative real estate, it's not just about like having a one trick pony creative real estate is nothing like always doing subject twos or always doing lease options. Creative real estate is all about how do you find a way? So you've brought a crazy amount of value. I really appreciate it. So Thanks. we've, we've gone into that quite in, in detail, but I think it was important. We've got four more questions lined up in the final five. So the sure. second one is um, what is a book that you recommend? This is probably my number one book, man. Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. That book like literally changed my life. 100% agree. Uh, did the same thing for me. And if, if the listeners haven't listened to it, they absolutely need to. Yeah, man. Where were you five years ago from today? We may have already gotten there. Oh, that, that was at man. the beginning of your company. Is that right? Yeah, but I was a little, five years, man. I was a little, uh, I, was, I was about $40,000 in debt. Right. I made a couple bad decisions in my life, put me way behind. So I was 40K in debt and I was, uh, put it the easiest way, a young punk who thought he knew everything. <laughs> so, and that's, that's what the universe gave back to me. You know, yeah. whatever you put out into the world is what you're going to get back. I said it all the time, you know, so, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I was, I was what they call a rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so five years ago, you were 40, 40K in debt. Yeah. Today you have a, a million dollar company and you have about one and a half million dollars of real estate. Where will you be five years from today? What do you see in your future? I'll put it this way. Uh, I won't have to introduce myself anymore. Um, I want to be traveling the world five years from now, teaching others just, and may, mainly the, you know, the millennial generation and younger generation, just how you can literally come from anywhere and be anything you want. And how mindset is everything and start with yourself because if you're not okay and you don't know the person you are, then you can't succeed with anything else in your life. So I want to be traveling the world. I want to be teaching people, helping people. And I hope my business, I don't hope, I know my business will be way more than a million dollar company. Um, in addition to that, I want my portfolio in real estate to exceed a hundred million dollars in the next five years. Perfect. Uh, for the listeners, just let's, I want to quote you real fast. Sure. Uh, and this is, this is proof that, that you're going to be successful. You know, I mean, you're already successful, but I mean, proof that you're going to find success in what you just said in having more than a million dollar company. It was because you, you said, I don't hope. I know. 
Yeah. It's, I, I say this a lot of times when I know that I'm going to have 10,000 doors within 10 years, people say, oh, ha, ha, that's a, that's a good goal, but it's not a goal. It's, it's like when you're driving to the grocery store, you, you don't write down a goal that says, I would really like to go to the grocery store. You just do it. You just do it. Exactly. So I I love it. I don't hope I know. You know, real real quick, I know we don't have a lot of time, but what you just said, man, when you're like, you know, people, you'll laugh at you like, oh, 10,000 doors. Listen, I say this all the time. If people don't laugh at you for your goals and your dreams, they're not big enough, man. They're not big enough. (laughs) Love it. Kobe Davis, how do you give back? And I give back in so many ways. I do a lot of volunteering. Uh, We're very, very active in the community. I actually have a, it's called a Polaris slingshot, a three year, a three, three uh, wheel mobile that uh, I call my uh, Davis painting mobile. I take that to autism awareness events, dress up like Batman. Kids love it. Um, We do a lot of parades. We do a lot with um, uh, feeding people in the community, whether that's soup kitchens. I do a gigantic food drive every year. You can check the videos out on YouTube. Uh, multiple donations to nonprofit organizations. The A team, where we help kids who are going through really, really tough uh, times in their life, like cancer, and we bring them hope and we bring them up and we show them that they can accomplish everything and they're going to get through it. So I literally, man, anytime I get a chance to give back, that's that's literally the center of everything with me. It's just giving back because I believe give back to the community who gives so much to us and they support us. You know, absolutely. So you've come with a lot of value today, a lot of very, very interesting things. I'm very grateful that you would take your time to be on the show. And I know that I got value out of it and a lot of people did. How do do people find you? How do they reach out to you or find your company in Pennsylvania if they want to have, you know, some painting or uh, pressure washing? So you can check us out on the web, justhiredavis.com, or I just launched a personal page, colbydavisofficial.com. You can also check me out on Facebook, Colby Davis, C-O-L-B-Y, like the cheese I tell everybody. And then we got an Instagram account, Davis Painting One and Colby underscore Davis Official. I'd be happy to have all of these into the show notes. I'm going to go through them with you uh, after we end up, but I'll, I'll make sure that every single one of these is into the show. So for the listeners right now, you can just scroll down. You can fire, find Colby, uh, Colby Davis in any one of these places. So anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you. And until next time, think outside the box. As always, thank you for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. This is Adam Adams with a reminder that any deal that we share on this podcast is for accredited investors only. However, if you want to raise money with us, you can always be a part of one of our deals. We do have that 400 plus unit that's in Atlanta, Georgia, just a hot, hot market that we're excited to be closing. And I want you to close it with us. So if you want to raise money with us, or if you're passive, you want to join and be a part of these 400 plus doors, would love to have you. And as always, leave us a five-star rating and review and get one of these happiness is passive cash flow mugs.